Well, good morning, Oak Mountain. Oh, you're the late service. You're supposed to do better than that. <laughs> That's right. Well, my name is Mark Long. I am the associate pastor here at Oak Mountain. I work with the families of youth, and it's my privilege to be with you today. Um, Bob needed time off to play with his grandkids, and so we thought we'd give him a little time off. Uh, he's been enjoying them, so. Um, but it's good to see you. Before we get started, I want to say a couple things to you. One, I, I do want to say thank you for wearing a mask. I don't know if we get many thanks for that. Trust me, I hate the masks. I, I look forward to going in my backyard, my uh, fire pit, throwing about 50 of those things on there. Whoosh, you know, let them go. But, but for a guy who has three strikes on him, I'm grateful that you would think about me. I know you're thinking about me. You're saying, we got to wear the mask for the big boy. And so thank you for that. Um, I don't need any more strikes against me. So, um, But I do look forward to the time we don't have to wear them. Um, but it is one of the greatest ways we can think of others before ourselves. We can love our neighbors like ourselves. Um, well, the past few weeks, as you guys know, we've been going through a study in the Psalms. It's our summer study, and this ends the summer officially. Uh, Bob will start, I think, next week with Second Corinthians, a great study there. And so as we uh, continue that with, one, uh, with Psalm 147, you can go ahead and turn to that if you want to, one, uh, Psalm 147. Um, in our devotional, um, we've been going over the past few weeks... What I call the order salutis. It's, and I want you to just be, just be careful with what I'm saying here. The order of salvation. Now, there's not like there's a tick list that we check off, you know, here we've done this or done that. No, it's God's pursuit of us. God coming after us. And what does that look like? What did it, what did it look like for God to come after us? Was it just, I attended a service and I was moved by the Spirit of God through preaching? Yes. But there was something that happened way before that. In a moment where God elected to regenerate my heart, to do something. If you know Christ, it's because God chose to do that for you and to you. And then in that moment, he declared you righteous through justification. I mean, the hammer came down and it declared you righteous, just like a judge would. At that moment, you're brought into adoption. And you're no longer slaves to sin, but you're sons and daughters, heirs to the king. And then he moves us on into sanctification. And sanctification is something that happens like this, breaks the chains of sin in our life. We no longer have to sin, but it's a progression where God says, because my son died for your sins, now I'm calling you to die to those sins. You don't have to live the way you used to live. You're now called to something different. And in Psalm 147, it reminds us of what benefits that we have from those things, those, those things before. And I want to read those again. We answer this in this question today, but what are the benefits of those things that we just talked about, the, the pursuit of God in our lives to bring us to salvation, to guarantee an assurance of heaven. The benefits are this, assurance of God's love, 
peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Spirit, increase of grace and perseverance. In other words, God has got you in his hand and nothing will snatch you out of his hand. That's what perseverance is. It's not you, it's him. I mean, even even if things try to bring it free, it won't. Those are their benefits. And that's why we are called to praise him. So we're going to read Psalm 147 together. And I would ask that you stand as we read God's word. Psalm 147. Praise the Lord. For it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blessed your children within. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his command to the earth, and his word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters hoarfrost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and it melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as we come into this passage and we start studying and thinking about these things, would you allow the pages, those words on the pages, jump off of them and into our lives? Please give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And Father, may we be different today because of hearing your word in Psalm 147. Oh, Spirit, come. We praise him in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Some of you guys, if you're reading out of the ESV, you may see that there's a title to the psalm. It's called, He Heals the Brokenhearted. And we'll get to that here in just a few minutes. But first, I want to remind you of a couple of things. This psalm, Psalm 147, is near the end of the whole book of the psalms. And it's one of those, those psalms that are called the psalms of praise. Now, this psalm, like others, begins with a word. And I want to try something. I know we're good Presbyterians. I'm supposed to sit there quietly. Shouldn't say anything. Maybe raise your hands a little bit. But don't do anything else. We're going to do something different. 
Now, the word here that, that starts in Psalm 147 is hallelujah. And it means praise the Lord. So it starts with hallelujah. It ends with hallelujah. It starts with praise the Lord. ends with praise the Lord. So I just thought I would try. Will you repeat after me when I say hallelujah? Ready? <clears throat> Clear your throat. Now, look, I just want you to know, I can tell if you don't do this because your mask won't move. So I'm just telling you. Okay? Please repeat after me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was awesome. Yeah, that was stereophonic. It was great. You did a good job. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. See, praise the Lord. That's the way this psalm starts and it's the way it's going to end. And in the middle of it, it's talking about praising the Lord. Spurgeon said, one of the best ways to praise the Lord is through singing. Singing the divine praises is the best possible use of speech. And I got to tell you, I love to sing. I'm horrible at it. But I love it. Man, you may see me in my track. I'll be singing this song, but I keep the windows up so nobody will hear me singing. When I used to go um, to mission trips, I used to go to Belize. And Belize is one of my favorite countries. It is, it is uh, mostly third world and uh, just poverty stricken everywhere. But when it came to Sunday mornings, they came dressed to the nines and they sang like none other. And a lot of them sang like me, not very good, but they sang and it made me actually feel better about myself because they just didn't care. They threw caution to the wind and they were going to sing their praises to their heavenly father, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And they would sing these songs of praise. Kind of reminds me about my mom. My mom's name is Fonzie and that's no lie. Her name is Fonzie. Okay. It's just who she is, five foot nothing, Fonzie. Um, from East Tennessee, her, her uh, city is, is called La Follette, and that was the big city. Uh, my dad was from Elk Valley, country boy. But I remember going to church with my mom in East Tennessee, and there'd be moments where we, this was a different church. It wasn't a Reformed Presbyterian church or anything like that. It was, a, it was just different. And so there'd be moments where uh, in the middle of the sermon, there'd be Hallelujah's popping out and praise the Lord. And then all, there were a couple of times, no lie, that the pastor would look at the row where I'm sitting and look at my mom, Fonzie, and say, Sister Fonzie, don't you have a song for us? And she did. She always had a song. And she sang. Because it's one of the best possible uses for us to bring praise to our Heavenly Father. Psalm 147 celebrates the return of the exiles to Jerusalem. So they have a lot to praise God about. They're returning to the homeland. They're coming back. They face so many hardships and they're, they're coming back now. And these Psalms were written just for that. So they praise. We're called to praise. So our first point is this. That when it comes to praising God, sing to God a song of praise. Now, praise is, a, is, is different than a couple of the other words we're going to use later. So I want to go ahead and clarify. Praise is an expression of approval, a warm approval, an admiration of one's or respect and gratitude. When you sing praises or you praise God, that is what you're doing. 
And you're doing that because he's worthy of anything we can say or anything that we can do. To do that for him. I like the way the psalmist writes this, and it is so cool. It's a word that I've heard all my life. It's when he says, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. Now, where I came from, you drop the G, and it's just fitting. It is fitting. In other words, it is proper. It's right. And Christians, it is what we are supposed to do. And we can hide behind, oh, I don't sing that well, or I don't like people hearing me sing, or, you know, I look funny when I sing. That's okay. It doesn't matter. What is important is that we sing a song of praise to God because it is the right thing to do. It is fitting. It's pleasant. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, in this passage, we're going to see why the children of Israel are singing this praise. Now, like I told you, they're coming back from the exile, slowly but surely, and um, they're about building the temple and the whole city of Jerusalem. Now, if you read Ezra and Nehemiah, you read about the rebuilding of Jerusalem. You read about the building of the temple. Now, that temple was a place, and they call it a center of praise. And in our lives today, this church is called a center of praise. This is what we come in here to do. It's not just to come in and see what you have for me, God. It's what we do to bring it back to God. A center of praise. And he uses people like Ezra and Nehemiah to build the city. They were the instruments in his hands. But you know who he used actually to do the building? Listen how they're described Verse 2, the outcast. Verse 3, the brokenhearted, wounded. Verse 6, the afflicted. Now, when you read those four right there is the first thing like mine. First thing that comes to your mind, this. Oh, that's those other people. That's those other people. You know, bless their hearts. God, God is taking care of them in such magnificent ways. He, he's, he's helping the outcasts. He's healing the brokenhearted, the wounded and afflicted. Ladies and gentlemen, he's talking about us. When Jesus spoke on the Summer of the Mount, he talked about the poor in spirit. And he used all those phrases that really confused people. But what he was talking about was pe- were people who truly were wrestling for, with their sin. They were brokenhearted and wounded by their sin. They were humbled and troubled by their sin. They were inwardly pained by it. And God rescued them. God gathered them. God restored them. It is God who heals by the relief of his spirit. And he's done that same thing here, but... Sometimes I wonder if we get that. We live in a great place. North Shelby County, if you live here, it is one of the greatest places to live. Greatest places to to rear a family. Greatest places to work. But there's a caveat that, that scares me sometimes. We don't have a need. Everything we need is here. Your 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 children, do they have needs? 
I reared five. They'll tell you there's lots of needs. But really, is there needs? Safe place to live? Maybe not a leaky roof? Food on the table? See, that plays in all of our conscience. Sometimes we think we don't need a God. Oh, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for our sins. I believe those things. You know what the word believe means? It means live by. It means that you live by those things, that you are in such desperate need of a Savior. God was all about healing the brokenhearted. He was going to build his city. He was going to build the center of praise on those people, those humble people. Now, that is people who God comes after. God takes care of and brings them to a point of salvation. Now, one of the other fascinating parts in this passage is the reason they want to praise God is for his immeasurable understanding. Verse 4 and verse 5. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. In other words, the way God understands what's going on in your life is countless in ways. It, it, it is limitless in his understanding. It's like trying to understand how many stars there are. And here's the God of this universe who knows how many stars there are and gave every one of them a name. That's why he cares about what's happening in your life. He knows what's going on in your life. And he understands it in ways that we, we, we can't fathom. It's immeasurable. Christ is building his church as well in the same way. As we see this pattern unfold in, in Psalm 147, Christ said in Luke 4, 18, Jesus read from Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The poor, the poor in spirit that knew their sin. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, those enchained and enslaved to sin. And to set the, set the oppressed free. Like those mentioned here in 147. And in Jesus' time, we're about to be singing his praises because of that very fact. He has broken the chains in our life. And I know you've heard that. And my greatest fear is, Mark, you're not saying much here. I've heard this all my life. But well, let me ask you this question. Do you sing? Do you praise God? You know, in this day and age right now, there's not a lot to sing about, is there? Let me ask you this. What's robbing you of your praise? What's robbing you of singing a praise to God? We all have circumstances and there's so many narratives out there and there's reasons why we shouldn't. But I will tell you, we still have a reason to sing praises to our Heavenly Father. Back in 2013, just remember that. 2013, a, a gentleman came to Five Points South. His name was Hezekiah Walker. And I want you to watch what happened when he came to Five Points South. 
2013. That's a normal I don't mind going back to. Some of the other normals I don't want to go back to. But I want to go back to the normal where we can sing praises to our God and our King. Hezekiah was invited to come to a funeral service this past year. And it would have been a funeral service you would have recognized. And he goes up and he leads in that song. And he has people out in the audience with him. And there's a little bit of a choreography and he, and it is just, it's moving. This year, he was scorned for it. He was rebuked for it. One person said, we don't need church. We need justice. See, there's lots of circumstances, lots of narratives out there. There's lots of reasons to supposedly say, we don't, we can't worship right now. We can't sing his praises. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's thousands of other reasons that we should. To sing his praises. It takes the focus off ourselves and places on him. And we should be singing his praises. The second thing I want to encourage you guys with is this. To sing to God a song of thanksgiving. In verses 7 through 11, it talks about this really very clearly. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares the rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. He delights not in the strength of the horse, nor in his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure to those who fear him, to those who hope in his steadfast love. The first thing here is that we should be thanking God. Now, you understand what thanksgiving is. It's an expression of gratitude. Just like singing praises was an, is an expression. God has already done all the action. Now, it's, we are called to have these expressions of praise. And now this pray, we're singing this Song of thanksgiving as an, an expression of our thankfulness, our gratitude toward him. Number one, what for? For his providence. Verse seven through nine talks about his providence. I don't know if you quite grasp what that means, but providence means that God, it talks about God's care and guardianship and control of all things, everything. He's either Lord of all or he's Lord of none of it. He either controls it all or he doesn't control anything. But we should be thankful for God's providence in in this. We don't always understand his ways of providence. There are hard things that I just cannot understand. And I, like you, have asked that question, why? Why, Father? But he's such an understanding God. The psalmist exhorts us to be people to sing to the Lord for thanksgiving. But many of us are not very thankful. As a matter of fact, we could all almost say we're unthankful. And we're unthankful not because God has failed us. Or we've suffered much. Or the people around us have been particularly challenging to live with. That's, why we're, that's not why we're unthankful. There could be components of that. But the main reason we're unthankful is because we approach life hoping that it will deliver to us the things that only we can experience in eternity. We can only experience if we focus on, on Christ, on God himself. We keep on looking to the creation instead of the creator. 
and we become unthankful. We start grumbling. Grumbling people don't have much joy and they miss out on the gifts that God provides every day. Do you remember the Lord's salvation in your life? Do you remember what he did to bring you to that point? The psalmist even urges these people to sing this thanksgiving and use a lyre. It's an instrument, a beautiful instrument. Because of what God has done for us, it is a beautiful thing. This stringed instrument, much like a harp, much like an electric guitar, an acoustic guitar, can be so beautiful. So we thank, thank God for his providence and how he continues to, to be in control and guards us. He, he, he also, we also talk about in verse 8 and 9 that God in God's provision for creation. Look, look at what it says. Who covers the sky with clouds, repairs rain for the earth, causes grass to grow on the hills, even give this chubby guy a little coolness of the air. This morning, that's right. I praise God. I, I walked out and I said, praise God. Because I wasn't going to be sweating. To, I mean, I am, but I wasn't going to be sweating right there. That moment, I went, falls here. And then, of course, it's not going to be. It's going to be back up in the hundreds. But, you know. but I praise God for the coolness of the year. He's the one that caused it. He also says in this, he provides the animals with their food and the young ravens what they cry for. Cry, cry for. You know that the raven is the bird that is in, in Jewish tradition the dirtiest, detestable thing. And God even cares for the young ravens by giving them food. Notice that God feeds both <clears throat> birds and animals. Baal does not cause the rain. Mother Nature does not cause the rain. Mother Nature wasn't thinking of me and bringing this cool front in. It wasn't Mother Nature. Mother Nature doesn't cause the grass to grow, but God does. And in his great providence, he cares for his creation. Theologian N.T. Wright says, God may be building up Jerusalem, but he's also out there in the wild making the grass grow on the hills and feeding the young ravens when they call to him. God is in the wild. I love being outside. I love being outdoors. I'd love it more if it was like San Diego, but I still love being out there. Because God is out there. He's, he's not trapped in this building. It's not the only place that we experience him. We experience him in so many different ways. Secondly, the other reason we should be singing these songs of thanksgiving is because for his grace to those that fear and hope in his love. Verse 10 and 11, 10 says, His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. God is not impressed with the worldly things. God's not, you know, impressed with material things. 
What he said, what he cares about is character. He cares about people who both fear and love him. Now that sounds like a contradiction in terms, doesn't it? But I'll remind you that the word fear here is, is a world, also the word that's used when we, we stand in awe of him. We, we, we stand in incredible respect for him. That God, it, it, we would love in the same way by saying, I, I fear him, but I hope in him. He's not impressed with the mighty empires. He's not impressed with the things that sometimes we get caught up and impressed with. Contrast, what God cares about, what he takes pleasure in. Please zero in on that. He takes pleasure in those who fear him, those who hope in his steadfast love. The truth about God is that he delights in his people because he's brought them into salvation. He's, he's, he's persevering them. And what keeps them going is their fear and love for him. I got to tell you, I don't know why God would delight in me. I mean, this is the point. That I struggle with. I mean, I can see why he delights in you. But for me, I know my dark heart. I know my sin. I know I'm a new creature in Christ. I know that I'm saved. I will be in eternity with God. But for, for the thought to think that he delighted in me, he finds pleasure in me, it really is a struggle. Why? Why would God delight in me? He delights me because of his son. And so whenever you, like I, wonder why he would delight in me, think of Jesus. God, knowing I need a savior, brought me one, Jesus Christ. And he finds delight in me because he finds delight in his son. And in, 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 a, in a weird, not a weird way, but in a certain way, listen to this. God values our valuing him. Did you hear that? God values our valuing him. God delights in our delighting in him. That's why we sing praises. That's why we sing songs of thanksgiving, because we are delighting in him. And guess what? God delights in that. Not in the way we would, by, by getting our egos stroked, but because that's why he made us. He's reversing the curse, and he's bringing us back to being God lovers. God takes joy in his people. He loves his people. He delights in his people. Tim Keller says this, This imaginable immense God is given pleasure, real joy, and delight when human beings put their life's hope in his gracious love. So therefore he prays this. Lord, it is astonishing that I can bring you delight. And this delight does not wax or wane depending on my performances, but is unwavering because I am Jesus Christ. Let me start every day from the platform that the only eyes in the universe that count are delighted in me. Let that sink in and you're going to say hallelujah. Because he takes delight in you.
and we've been caught up in this divine delight. Out of this assurance, let us be thankful to him. I want to read you the words of a song. Now, I'm, please don't get mad at me for saying this next thing. A lot of Christian music I just don't get. I just, it's okay, and I'm very thankful that that's their vocation. That's good. But when you hear lyrics like this and the ones that Jason leads us in, this is from Casting Crowns. The title of the song is Who Am I? Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt? Who am I that the bright morning star would choose to light the way for my ever-wandering eye? Not because of who I am, not because of what, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I'm a flower quickly fading every day. Gone here today, gone tomorrow. A wave tossed in the ocean, a vapor in the wind. Still you hear me when I'm calling, Lord. You catch me when I'm falling. And you've told me who I am. I am yours. Who am I? That the eyes that see my sin would look on me with love and watch me rise again. Who am I that the voice that calmed the sea would call out through the rain and calm the storm in me? Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I am yours. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I'm yours. I'm yours. That's what helps me to remember why I sing a song of thanksgiving. Thanking him for his providence, but also thanking him for coming after me in this way. That he would truly work in my heart to delight in me. Our third and final point is this. We're called to sing to God a song of exaltation. Now, you know, you're going to think, well, that's kind of like praise, right, Mark? No, it's not. The word exaltation is an action of elevating someone in rank or power or character. It's kind of like fall in the south. We, we tend to exalt certain college football teams. I'm not going to mention any names, Roll Tide, but I'm just saying, War Eagle, there's lots of them. And, you know, when, when you have these cheers going on, that's what we do. We are exalting. We're, we're doing that. I mean, it doesn't matter if you pull for Alabama or Auburn or Penn State or Mississippi State or Vanderbilt. I can't list them all, okay? So just tell me, just trust me, it's exalting. We exalt our Heavenly Father. Why? Because in verse 12 through 17, it says he provides for the physical needs of his people. Jerusalem. For Zion, for Jacob, they refer to God's people. Exalt the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. Why? Because God has has provided the physical needs. He blesses his people. Look what it says. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go. In verse 12. Praise the Lord. 
O Jerusalem, praise your God, O Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He, he blesses his people in so many ways. He gives them external security. He, he shores up the walls of their houses, the bars in their gates. He makes their dwellings secure. He gives them eternal happiness by blessing them with children. He gives them peace. God grants them delights in providing peace along with his people around their borders. And then, of course, provision. God provides and delights in providing for his people with the finest of wheat. In this season where we're called to exalt our Heavenly Father, think of Jesus. In Hebrews, Jesus is described as the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the hero. He's the one that should be exalted. Because without him, there is no true peace. There's no lasting provision. And there's no prosperity. So God blesses his people. Then God also commands the earth. God created this earth. He controls the forces of nature from the North Pole to the South Pole. God controls the earth. In other words, he he controls everything about it. We talked about God's providence before. He is constantly moving in and around us. I like the way it's described here, and it's a way that may not make sense at first, but it says his word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. God sends his word. And when you read those things, because you know, I, don't, I don't know how Jerusalem experienced a lot of snow. I don't, I don't know. I've never lived there. But to use this illustration points back again to his children. Our hearts were the ones that were cold. Our our hearts were the ones that were frozen. And he sent his word and he breathed it to us and it melted our hearts. And it became flowing of living water. He sent his wind, his revealing power to our lives. God alone can do that. We can't do that ourselves. But we try so often to exalt other things other than him. I'm here to encourage you to exalt him whenever you're given the chance. Lift him up. Put him in that elevated state. It will be good for you. Not only will it be good for you, it's the right thing to do. As I share with you in this passage... It's a pleasant thing to do these things, to sing a song of praise, sing a song of thanksgiving, and sing a song of exaltation. And it's fitting. It's proper. If you're struggling with the circumstances and the narratives that we're struggling with now, take your focus off of them and place it on the one that deserves our focus. It's Jesus Christ. Let's pray.
Father, as we consider Psalm 147, it's so full and so rich, and I, I just can't do it justice, but you can. You use it to challenge us, to remind us of who we are in Christ to you. For any of my friends who are sitting here this morning, they've lost their song. They're being robbed of their praise because of the circumstances, Father. Help them see it again. Restore to them the joy of their salvation. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.